His breath. Be with us, Lord, we pray, as we open your word. Give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better. And enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we might know the hope to which you have called us and the riches of your glorious inheritance in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This meeting between Mary and Elizabeth is something of a prelude to the relationship between Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist. Mary's just heard that she will conceive and will give birth to a son named Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come and overshadow her, and the Holy One born will be the Son of God. A pending birth is always a momentous announcement. But this revelation is like no other, before or since. Extraordinary also is the revelation that Elizabeth, her elderly relative, is six months pregnant. And Mary's response to the news of all these things is certainly surprise and wonder, but also faith and humility. There it is in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. And so, with the great joy of anticipation, we read in verse 39, Mary gets ready and hurries to a town in the hill country of Judea to greet Elizabeth. And as she enters the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah, there is confirmed for Mary not only God's promise to her, but also God's promise for Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, well, she's jubilant. Now, if you had to guess why Elizabeth's so overjoyed, you'd think the answer was obvious. It's because the prayers of herself and Zechariah have been answered. The angel Gabriel himself, the one who stands in the presence of God himself, has announced that Elizabeth will soon bear a son, and his name will be John. And now Elizabeth's six months pregnant, and she gets a surprise visit from Mary, her relative. And what's Elizabeth's first response to the greeting from Mary? Well, first, she gets a kick in the belly from John, who seems full of joy himself. And then in a loud voice, she says, from verse 42, Guess what, Mary? You won't believe what happened to me. Well, actually, she doesn't say that at all. Instead, her first response is to say... Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? Now that's not the response that you'd expect. And how does Elizabeth know that Mary bears in her womb her Lord, Jesus, the Son of God? Well, there's no obvious answer to that except to say that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and seemingly so too is John. And Elizabeth is not only overjoyed with the visit of Mary and her Lord, she's also overwhelmed with wonder that she has been favoured by God. She can't for a moment begin to imagine why God would be so gracious to her. She was no one of any importance. Her husband, Zechariah, was a run-of-the-mill priest on a roster and a lottery to serve in the temple. 
And both were very old, and more significantly, between them they were childless. And apart from sin, shame and disappointment didn't get any worse in that culture. But when it came to trusting God at his word, Elizabeth did that well. Poor old Zechariah wasn't so great at it. Even though he got a personal delivery from the angel of the Lord, he still didn't believe. And so he was left both dumb and dumbfounded for a while. But Elizabeth, well, she believed wholeheartedly what the angel Gabriel had said to both Mary and Zechariah. And she believed, as we read in verse 37, no word from God will ever fail. Both these women are blessed by God because they trust him at his word. Both these women are blessed by God because they accept in humility and obedience the gift that God offers to them. To unwed Mary is given the gift of a child who will be great and called the Son of the Most High. And putting aside the risk of shame, Mary presents herself in verse 38 as the Lord's servant, the one in whom God's word would be fulfilled. And to aged Elizabeth is also given the gift of a child, a child whom later Zechariah will describe as one who will be called a prophet of the Most High, who will go before the Lord and prepare the way before him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. To Mary is given Jesus, the Son of God, and to Elizabeth is given John the Baptist, whom Jesus later describes as the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. The unparalleled and unprecedented favour that both these women are granted, they receive in faith and humble obedience. And like Elizabeth, Mary's response is also jubilant. At verse 46, Mary's soul that glorifies the Lord. From the very depths of her being, Mary's response to grace is to point to God, to magnify him, to enlarge him, to boast in him, to glorify him. Mary understands that what she's received from God is entirely an act of grace. She's done nothing to deserve this. She has earned no merit before God. Indeed, like you and I, and all of humanity, she could only look to God as her Saviour, a Saviour who brings the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. And thus, in her spirit, Mary rejoices in God her Saviour, a Saviour who rescues her, not only from sin and shame, but also a Saviour who, verse 48, exalts her from humble servant to blessed among women throughout all generations. The Lord God, the Mighty One, verse 49, has clearly done great things for Mary and holy is his name. But it's not just Mary, and nor is it just Israel either. As Mary says from verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. 
The Lord is not a limited and parochial God. He reigns supreme over the whole universe. And he will establish his king and his kingdom over the whole world. He has mercy on whom he has mercy. And he has compassion on whom he has compassion. Salvation, therefore, depends not on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy alone. And the Lord God is not only merciful to save, he is also powerful to save. From verse 51 we read, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Seems pretty clear to me that the proud, the powerful, the full and the self-sufficient have no place in God's kingdom. They're not merely sent away, they're deliberately brought down by God's mighty arm. And inasmuch as God despises the proud, he also delights in the humble. He blesses those who believe that the Lord fulfills his promises to them. He shows favour to those who glorify his holy name and rejoice in his salvation. And even though faith and humility are the absolutely necessary dispositions of all whom God blesses and lifts up, it would be wrong to think that salvation and mercy are the rewards even for faith and humility. It is not the sincerity of our faith or the humbleness of our hearts that earns for us a place in God's kingdom. We enter God's kingdom by God's sovereign choice. Just as God chose Israel, so too has he chosen all whom he has called, all who fear him from generation to generation. Verse 54, he is remembered to be merciful to Israel his servant, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Verse 55, just as he promised. And there it is again. The Lord fulfills his promise. And just as the Lord promised Israel in the Old Covenant that he would bless them and make their name great, so too does he promise us that we the church, that we the new covenant people of God, and his promise is that we too are blessed in Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will and to the praise of his glory and grace. And the sign of that blessing the sign of the new covenant is what we shall witness today in the baptism of Manaya. And baptism is the perfect sign of that blessing. For in response to the grace and mercy that Grant and Nisha have received from God, they shall bring Manaya to be baptised. And Manaya will not be baptised because she has her life in order. And she's earned favour with God for her many good deeds and devotion. No, Manaya's baptism is a visual declaration of the gospel. It's received entirely by grace. It's affirmed by the declaration of her parents' faith. 
It's witnessed by her church family and it happens entirely according to the good purposes of God and in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as a sign of God's sovereign grace and mercy and love, I don't think it gets any better than that. And just as Elizabeth and Mary rejoiced in God's unmerited and unbounded favour to us, no, to them, so too do we rejoice in God's unbounded favour to us. For even as we give thanks to God for the gift of Manaya to our church family, but moreover do we rejoice in the birth of God's Son, the true light who has come into the world. And because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, we shall see the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Brothers and sisters, that joy has first come into the world in humility, grace and truth. And joy will again come into the world. He will come again in glory, bringing his reward. And so with the angels we say, glory to God in the highest heaven. But with Elizabeth and John we leap for joy that the Lord fulfills his promises to us. And with Mary we, re we rejoice in God our Saviour, magnifying the Lord in our souls. For the Mighty One has done great things for us, and holy is his name.